The year is 1981. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. podcast and reading club where we are going through the marvel universe from its origins to today one year curated reading lists at a time i'm dave using founder and editor-in-chief of comicbookherald.com i am joined today by a man who is much happier when he's tiny it's zach dean how's it going zach oh pretty good pretty good he's the mayor of littleville if you know what i mean (laughs) i don't but i'm not like angry about it that sounds kind of fun i don't know like yeah I like Littleville. Yeah, there's all kinds of like, I don't know, like just your, uh, everything turns into an adventure if you're little, right? You know, like your dining room table, it's now a whole obstacle course playground full of things to climb on. I don't know what I'm saying. It sounds fun to be little, okay? Sounds fun to be little. (laughs) It sounds like you're a big big proponent of pin particles. Yeah. And we're going we're gonna to talk about some pin particles gone awry today. Oh boy, oh boy. That's right. We're reading the second half of the curated reading list through Marvel 1981. Again, I would recommend going on back to part one where we read such classics as Frank Miller taking over mm, as writer-artist yeah. on Daredevil and, of course, Days of Future Zacks on mm. In Uncanny X-Men. But today we're going to be talking about a classic Iron Man story, a the start of a great Fantastic Four run. <laughs> The um, our introduction, the club's introduction to a great Moon Knight run. I'm gonna say the worst comic we've read since we started My Marvelous Year in the pages of Avengers. I'm gonna throw that out there right now. Oh, really? And uh, and some Power Man and Iron <laughs> Fist comics. Oh, we had a very different reaction. I thought it, I didn't think it was that bad. <laughs> okay, okay. Maybe we read different comics, or just as usual, your opinions are fascinatingly weird and wrong. But we'll get into it. Uh, before we get into the first comics, I did want to say thanks to everybody over on patreon.com slash mymarvelousyear who supports the show. Mm, we are yes, entirely okay. listener-supported. Um, if you are interested in doing that and figuring out how you can get benefits like our exclusive Slack channel where we have an amazing community of comics fans, um, or just even just more regular access to the reading list as they're updated, going over to patreon.com slash mymarvelousyear. And also, if you like listening to the show, you don't want to go over to Patreon, that's totally fine. If you could consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes, and remember, this month's challenge is to, in your hopefully positive review of the show, uh, comment who would you like to hear talk more. <laughs> No, 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 no. No, I'm only framing it the positive way. See, yeah. you're so against this because you know you're going to lose. Well, yes, I talk more than you do. Yeah, yeah, chatty Kathy. All right, <laughs> let's get into Iron Man number 149 to a number 150. This is the classic Night Quest? Doom Quest? Doom, Doom Quest. Quest, right? Yeah. Yep, Doom, Doom Quest storyline where Tony Stark, Iron Man, and Victor Von Doom, they go back in time. You know what my favorite thing about these two issues is? Nope. Is Victor Von Doom, Dr. Doom, yep. constantly referring to Iron Man as a lackey yeah, or as an yeah. errand boy? Because the world still knows uh, Iron Man to be you know, Tony Stark's hired help. So it's it's funny because Iron Man is the Avenger. He's the hero as we know him. But through Doom's eyes... 
he's trying to arrange an arms deal with Tony Stark and, and his you know companies and Iron Man is just his little errand boy it's it's such a great condescending doom touch where yeah. he just can't even he can't even address this guy because he's like you're I'm a king and nigh on why a god, isn't Stark you're here talking a little to me yeah. henchman yeah yeah so awesome. can I make a confession uh it better not be that you're actually from Camelot because that's gonna freak <laughs> me out just like pull off this mask to reveal I am Morgana Le Fay. Um, <laughs> I realized reading this that I have no particular affection for Doctor Doom, like whatsoever. That <laughs> what? I basically what? like don't really care about Doctor Doom. Like I don't, I don't uh, dislike what? him. Like there's other big name heroes or uh, villains like um like Ultron that I'm just like, yeah, I don't like Ultron at all. Like so uh, far, Ultron has not had a good story that I've read. I've never been interested in him. Doctor Doom, I'm mostly just like, eh, it's fine when Doctor Doom's around, but I'm not like, I don't know, I don't get excited about it. This was probably the most I've ever liked him. Like, this was the best written Doom story we've read. And I was just, I just realized that. I was just like, yeah, I don't, I guess I like. This explains so much about the terrible things that you choose to be. So, it, first <laughs> off, this dramatically explains our ongoing feud about Secret Wars, which... I mean, I think I love it. Obviously, I'm, we're jumping ahead to 1984 here. I'm probably like 70% love it because of the Doctor Doom elements. Mm -hmm. So if you're telling me you're like I, already it's not like checked I don't, out on that. He's not arcade where I'm just like, he shows up. I'm, I'm like, ugh, God, another Doom story. For, first off, he just, terrible comparison. Well, I, Arcade's I know, cool, well, too. I think Ultron's a decent comparison. He's another big name. Ultron is Ultron. I could see. King the Conqueror, I can see. Yeah, as sure. villains where you're like, yeah, they, they don't work for me. Yeah. I get that. Doctor no. Doom is the best villain ever. No. I mean, the, the thing is, I just feel name like better villains. I haven't read it. I mean, Bullseye, Green Goblin. I like them. Bullseye, Batrock, Bullseye. We read one good Bullseye issue, and you're he's trumping Doctor Doom. Yeah, he's cooler. He's cooler to me. Batrock. It's taking everything I have to not just turn off the mic right I now. I mean, it is there. Is Doctor Doom gonna? This is have the most upsetting some, thing like, you've ever said on some air. Some really crazy good stories later, because like. Right now, I kind Doctor of feel Doom? like he's kind of uh, like he's, he's he like, starts strong. No, he does. He starts okay. Like I like him in the Silver Age. Just Fantastic Four like, Five is good. Fantastic Four Annual Number Two is I, you know, good. You know, I think I like him that about weird, the same uh, Gene level. Colan drawn story where he goes back to save his mom is good. Oh, I like that. Is that I Astonishing like, Tales like that or something? One. Yeah, yeah. I like that detail. I you know I like I like lots of little details about him. I'm just never like that excited to see him. I kind of feel similarly about like Doctor Octopus, where I'm like, yeah, he's fine. He's good. He uh, he was Zach. I think you just don't. But, I think uh, you have an uh, an apathy problem. You're just not excited about good things. No, there's plenty here I like. Like, I mean, there's, there's tons of villains I, I really like. Uh, I don't know. Just talk to Doom's... Uh... Name one. Oh, um, I mean, I already did. I already Can't be about... Batrock. Okay, I mean, I already said Green Goblin. I like Green Goblin. I like... Uh... You like Green Goblin. That's fine. I accept that. I don't know. Who else? I mean, Thanos. Every time Thanos has shown up, he's been great. Like, I really liked Thanos' okay. appearances. Sure, sure. Um... I don't know. I mean, I'm generally okay. like more All right. Red Skull even. Like some of the Red Skull stuff I've liked a little more. I just feel like mm -hmm. uh, maybe they're they're a little squeamish about making Doom like really evil. And he's still a little like mustache twirly. Like he still likes his gadgets and his gimmicks a little much. Yeah. It's in a, a way that like the technology component. Yeah. Like the X-Men stuff that we just read. Like that that kind of like I have individualized traps for each of you is like 
I don't hate it. Like, I don't, I don't think like, that, I, I don't that's read a it. throwback I, for sure. Yeah. I don't read it and it makes me like exhausted reading it. It's just like, it's not what thrills my soul, you know? But the thing is like, <laughs> Dr. Doom is <laughs> okay. such named as, you know, he's like the big bad. It's like Dr. Doom, Magneto are like, what, maybe the two pillars of evil villains in Marvel. And, uh, I mean, I'm not. I'm not kidding when oh, I say. Oh, Magneto! I mean, Magneto. Galactus I think he's the even. best villain I like, of all time. I like that. But the thing is, he is to a lot of people, and uh, I just haven't seen it yet. I don't know. I like. I mean, here. it's like, like it was kind Darth of Vader, Doctor Doom, Joker. Maybe like that's the that's the conversation. Yeah. If you're doing just great Dark Side, right? Well, the thing is, dark like, side, he hasn't Thanos, worked in the movies somewhere in there yet at all, and I can kind of see Who, why Doom. Yeah. Do not hold the the movies. Against I, I know, my but lord, like, Doctor Doom. Yeah, that, I mean that's fair, but I also think like, what do you bring to Doctor Doom besides the fact that he's like pompous and power hungry? Right, like those two things aren't enough for me. Like, so they, ha- they so haven't power into, craven villains. They haven't leaned it, into the that, ruler. If you do it right, that is enough, enough for me. I think that's eloquent, enough. eloquent craven like grabs for power uh-huh. are kind of always awesome. Those are all the best villains in Game of Thrones. Uh-huh. They're all the best characters in in Jonathan Hickman written series East of West. Like that that thing alone makes Doom cool. I always like that. About I think I him. like that in that he's looking for the next artifact. He's looking for the next technology, and that so actually that does tie into these issues. Like the whole plot, mm-hmm. the reason they're traveling back to Camelot. Um, however, sort of accidentally, you know, it winds up that Doom and Iron Man do it. They kind of fight and stumble onto a time platform and get tricked by Doom Lackey. Um, he's traveling back there to get at the magics of Morgan Le Fay so he can use them to free his mom from hell. Like, he's always looking for, you know, hey, I explored science and magic in this time period. I'm, I need to go back in time and explore it. So that's a, that that's element a fun is interesting. Of him, like, this is the boldest confession you could have time. possibly led this show with. Man, yeah. this is so strong. Well, I just Gosh, realized it. You're just, like, like, casually sitting there, full of Pop-Tart, dropping bombs. <laughs> dropping bombs on the My Marvelous I mean, I'm, Universe. I'm, I might change my mind. At some point, like a Doom story could come around and I'll be like, great. Doom's great now. No, this is your corner now. Yeah. This is your corner. Anti-Doom. I mean, it's, it's not that hard of a stance. I don't know. I, n- now, now, isn't it true that you've also historically hated the video game Doom? No. Right? Uh-uh. People are like, these are really fun. You're like, garbage. And you literally take your copies and you toss them in the trash. No, I like I like the ripping and the tearing. You boycotted Doomsday Clock just because of the use of Doom mm-hmm. in the title. I mean, don't yeah. don't let this turn into like Zach hates. You Dr. can't listen Doom. to Doom Corps. I am. <laughs> I mean, that's obviously what I'm fueling here. I mean, Doom Patrol. All right, Slack channel. Doctor Doom, definitely. Do we already have a poll this year? Yeah, I put one up. Do we have a poll for 1981? Yep. Oh, it's a shame. That's a shame. All right. Well, with that bomb confession, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to continue. bomb of Doctor Doom uh, so is this... not one of my favorites. It's a very normal oh, thing to say. Oh, no, it's not. That's the thing. It's really not. Yeah, I that is a there are not uh, listen i know it's the old trope of you know i don't know anybody who voted for him how could he have won but i've never met somebody who said not that into dr doom yeah, yeah. unfathomable well maybe i just have my own opinions and i'm not just a you know a follower like all of you but like you should start following some people <laughs> because your opinions are really bad okay dr doom Verse Iron Man in Doom Quest. It's a two-part story. It's written by David Michelini and Bob Layton with pencils here by John Romita Jr., who I don't... Is this the first J.R. Jr. No, we're touching here? we've seen him before. No? Okay, yeah. good. Um, obviously, the son of John Romita, famous for his work on Spidey I in the 60s. I know him as like and a yeah, controversial this is a... figure who does bad work. 
<laughs> that is his reputation to me. Um, Jr. Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that he's oh, that's a bad take. Does like From some what? pretty sloppy work. But uh, I thought this was fine. This is pretty good. No, that's that is false. I'd be curious to to see that explored more. Yeah, someone in the Slack um, posted a bunch of. I, I'm not his uh, biggest fan his in the art, world, but I like saying he's uh, straight up sloppy is no. Stop it. Stop it. John Romy Jr. has a pretty incredible and celebrated long career um we're gonna see a lot of it here in marvel in the 80s and in early 90s and certainly he's been around i don't know it, you could make the case that he overstayed his welcome on some projects mm-hmm. um but he's still getting big time work here at uh, mostly at dc these days so yeah. I, it's not like i see his name on the cover of a dc comic and i'm gonna buy it um but i've seen work like his work on all-star superman with scott snyder on a short story they did um or all-star batman excuse me uh, that's awesome. It's a really good story. Batman yeah. versus Two Face. I'm, I, I mean, I don't have that men. opinion. I'm just saying that's my, his reputation to me. You're so you're gonna throw. <laughs> you're just you're throwing haymakers today. It's crazy. I've never seen you more relaxed. First of all, like, <laughs> did you just like lace up some CBD before we started recording? Because you're CBD so popcorn. relaxed yeah. and you're throwing haymakers of opinions at me. I mean, I'm literally I'm, I'm not. This is all in your head that this is happening. <laughs> Just this is the, the most explosive all, episode. Like literally, of my the, the only context year. I have for John Romita Jr. is that someone, I think in the Slack, came in, posted a bunch of really awful art of his, and was like, "Ugh, John Romita Jr. sucks," <laughs> and then like posted a bunch of probably sure. like his worst examples of what he does. I thought this yeah, was fine. Yeah. I like. I mean, I that's like an opinion you can here, have, though. but I d- I have to say, taking like zoomed in or even just like panel by panel, you know, examples of an artist's work, mm-hmm. like. It really doesn't speak to what they do. Sure, yeah, you know I, could, what I mean. I could see that with Ditko, even. You know, you could like pull individual. Ditko you could pull, and of, and you did. You're like Spider-Man. this. This thing made me laugh. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. But I overall like really loved what Ditko did, even if you like could zoom into the vulture's face and it was you know this horrible, weird little pudgy uh, mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I think in the context of this revelatory introduction to this mm-hmm. podcast episode we've kind of summed this up um but basically what happens again is uh tony stark finds out that his company was going to supply armaments to latveria he freaks out <laughs> cancels the order actually as iron man he like hijacks the ship so it won't get there mm-hmm. um doom wants to talk because he ordered these pieces and he needs them to to make his time travel machine work so he can go back to camelot and talk to morgan lefay uh and a henchman who doom is clearly threatening and menacing you mentioned him um killing his father not being villainous enough uh yeah he killed the man's dad he's or he's threatening to kill his dad and uh he strikes out and when iron man and doom are fighting and land on this platform his the hench or the you know latvarian worker sends them through time hopefully to trap them there uh in the the court of king arthur and then issue 150 is all about doom and uh iron man surviving in in the kingdom of King Arthur and like basically <laughs> Iron Man sides with Arthur and the Knights of Pendragon and uh, Doom goes and finds Morgana Le Fay in order to um, get her magics. She says, I'll give them to you if you lead an army of undead zombies yeah, against Arthur and Iron Man. And then that happens. I it's like really, I think it's this a was, very, I mean, fun honestly, I think this is issue. the most fun Dr. Doom issue I've ever read. I liked a lot about Dr. Doom in this. Uh, I really liked their, um, they're like truce at the end, them both deciding mm-hmm. to, you know, like disarm and like put down their 
their weapons and both deactivate their armor so that they could like pull the circuitry out of their armor because they need it to build a time machine to go forward in time and so they kind of had to like trust yeah. each other that they were going to you know both deactivate and let their guard down at the same time and that's a big so there's two there's two elements there one is really making that connection of hey iron man and dr doom very similar when you think about it right yep. yeah, like yeah these geniuses yeah. who are wielding suits of armor that i don't think is ever explored more explicitly than it is here mm-hmm. and also the other piece is doom is a man of his word this is a big big thing for him like this idea that he is the honorable villain you know we've been talking about okay i guess what is the value of him and definitely this is something that will progress to the point where i mean throughout this decade like the 2010s you know this idea of like doom being so honorable and like almost an anti-hero has almost gone far enough that it's like it's a little too far it's like no he did just uh threaten his his citizen's father in order to keep him you know borderline yeah. uh it's you know i think servitude i, I think i would like that you know, you know who does this well is um in a series i'm not that hot about but black adam in 52 uh-huh. does kind yeah. of what i was yeah. like hoped what I hope Doom would be a little bit more that I think maybe they're held back by the time, even though by the 80s they could lean into this more. We're like, I wish Doom had this like super honorable streak and really cared about Latveria, but then in other aspects could be like really cold and cruel and brutal when yeah. it made like a pragmatic sense, you know, but like, and he's got, you know, he's a prideful guy. I think that's a really good comparison is like Black Adam in that to this where like, you know, Black Adam well, that, and Doom's the model. will just like execute people you know, in public, use his superpowers to execute people uh, who yeah. are going against his country. But also, like, you can take him at his word. Like, he will never back down his word. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I, I would yeah, like Yeah, Doom's that. the model for that, a for the, yeah. the supervillain as tyrant. But with a, you know, with a, uh, not a heart of gold, but of a, a, a man of principle, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind he's of got a code. Right? Yeah. Like, he's got, he's got a code. Um, and he's also got, you know, bodies to his name but uh but yeah I'm so more interested in that than, like mostly his motivations are like i hate the fantastic four and that's i don't know that's mostly like, read i mean yeah, really yeah. it's read yeah 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 like i guess i don't know it's like 20 years of that that's just like or, or at least like it doesn't get fleshed out in ways that are interesting enough for me i, I think that's really like, i mean this story certainly gets you away from that yeah and i like right? this like i like this a lot this is of doom this outside was, of the context yeah i like just seeing him at this fish out of water right like he is pretty helpless in seeing him like have to work his way out of this bad situation using his intellect um i like that mm-hmm. so yeah he he strikes a bargain right. with Morg- morgana lefay is this for is this the first time we've seen her i think so right i think so in the marvel universe yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean obviously she's based on on myth and legend yeah 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 right um and she like right raises this army of the dead it's pretty cool there's a big fight there iron man helps king arthur and all of his knights fight and then yeah doom iron man band together to go forward to go back to the future that is right yeah. and they it's succeed yeah. and the back yeah, and we're out good. we're good, out good of, of doom of quest it's a good one it's yeah. going to have a little legacy there's a kind of a doom quest trilogy really that spins out of this oh, um cool. yeah there is actually uh it spans decades of work i think they're all written by michelini though if i'm not mistaken hmm. um but regardless this is the the intro is the best and the biggest one, and that's going to take us into Fantastic Four issues two thirty two to two thirty six. These are written and drawn by John Byrne in the uh, true start of his ongoing run here, and these comics are real good. <laughs> these are some the best Fantastic Four comics that I have read. 
since uh, Stan and Jack hung, yeah. up, hung them up yeah. in the Silver Age. And you know what really works for me about these hmm. is is the fact that they're like they're all bottle episodes, or yeah. they all have a bottle episode feel. And what's kind of crazy about that is if you look back at Stan and Jack Silver Age, that's just what comics are, right? They are es- essentially what we would now call like one and done. Um, but obviously, over the course of the '70s and into the '80s, there's a there's a trend towards ongoing storylines and kind of just a ceaseless momentum mm-hmm. that makes it less likely for both a one and done, but also like the feel of a bottle episode. And what I mean by that is each issue fo- hones in on like a unique or unexpected perspective, and it follows that thread through while incorporating then. The Fantastic Four. So they all they all feel like Fantastic Four comics. Yeah. But they all focus on, you know, it's not the opening of Ben throwing a couch at Johnny. Yeah. It's right. the opening of a man waking up next to his wife and revealing that he has these like incredible molecule man type powers yeah. without even realizing. It. Right. Yeah. Um. Very it's what, what was your take? I got, on I got these? a Twilight Zone vibe from all that. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I think I actually was like slightly. Um. I was surprised at how kind of quiet and simple they are, honestly. Uh, Like, in my memory, he tells, like, really big, crazy Fantastic Four stories. Like, the ones that I remember are these, like, big epic Mm -hmm. stories. And most of these are pretty calm and, like you said, one and done. Or they they feel very, like, simple. They feel very, like, throwback to the Silver Age kind of stories. They're not small in scale. Some of them get quite, like, large threats and stuff. But I just feel like it's very... um, yeah, very contained. And it's just like he, I don't know, like simple, clean storytelling. Like he's not bombastic at all. Even when he's like talking about Ego, the living planet and going through, like it still just feels very like matter of fact. I don't know. Um, yeah. In a way that I think works, right? Like it kind of grounds the stories. It makes them feel real. Ego has never felt like more of a real presence that they're traversing to me. Well, it's it's definitely the most in depth we get into ego's internal functions because yeah. <laughs> in those so ego shows up at the end of 234 and in 235 it's an issue of ben Grimm doing the classic carrying a giant explosive into the heart of ego the living planet <laughs> yeah so we get you know what it, what do ego's antibodies look like what does the brain of ego look like as the ben uh, you know walks through yeah yeah and tries to destroy this ego who is who has showed up at earth because it's the last place galactus was and as we remember from our ego versus galactus first thor fight that's the last time we saw ego he's been rocketing around space with no control of his own <laughs> which is uh mildly hilarious but yeah, he does like, find his way just, back to earth just attached a giant he attached a giant rocket to his back yeah <laughs> just also the reveal back. here that uh you remember that that race of people uh what yeah. were they called yeah yeah the, uh, the wanderers yes in yeah. thor who uh they said oh ego you know we helped you stop galactus so we'll be we'll live on you now he just ate them later yep. yeah, after yeah it was Thor just left. like yeah uh just dissolve them all and uh, absorb them like that's the, a dark turn the, yeah it wasn't it's just like a one panel throwaway of just like just <coughs> i appreciate john byrne just having this moment of like all right well i gotta take care of that because last time we saw ego there were people on here so you know yeah just, just to make sure that that gets like taken care of and people get you know i don't get any letters i just gotta say they all got absorbed yeah yeah yep. it's a nice uh nice touch up on the continuity there yeah so yeah so the ego story is the biggest one he tells um you know the the thing does open so 232 opens with a story called back to basics so you're using that title <laughs> or burns using that, that title yeah. here it's it's a pun because you've got diablo the villain doing the the elements you know mm-hmm. air fire water earth um but it's also like that is literally 
clearly his mindset. And we saw in the previous issue that we read where Byrne, did he write and draw before? I, I forget. But basically, he retold the origin story. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like a retelling of the origin story issue. Like, there's a real clear line saying, hey, we're going back to the Stan and Jack days back when this was a big deal, back when everybody loved the Fantastic Four, right? Yeah. Like, that is clearly the motivation. And while that could be too hung up on on nostalgia or on methods that don't really work anymore, um, I, I really think here it works. Like, the 233 is an issue about a prisoner on death row who believes he was framed. He, like, doesn't... He's ultimately, like, pretty resigned. Like, yeah, I kind of had this coming. But he's also, like, you know, this specific murder they called me for I was framed, and he writes a letter to Johnny. So then the issue is all about Johnny figuring out whether or not this guy... You know, like a very... He's solving a murder. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very strange Um, It feels like a, you know, like a solo one-shot or something, right? But it's, like, it's a nice change of pace. I I really like it. And he does a good job, like, homing in on these small, like civilians basically and enfolding them yeah to it so like you're always interested in their story like i don't i think you get that story in 234 i think the one with the the guy with all the powers who, yeah like yeah we follow him for like eight or nine pages before we see the fantastic it's a long Four. time like yeah and it's just some guy who like is clearly he's manipulating the world around him with these omnipotent powers but he doesn't actually realize what he's doing he's got um which i kind of lost the thread on that that like he was destroying all these buildings, but I didn't quite get why. But then Reed thought it was coming from outer space. But then so Ego, I think Ego was out in outer so, space, right? So I don't really know. The what. guy wasn't destroying the planets. So his name's Skip Collins. Uh-huh. He wasn't the one causing the destruction. I thought that at first too. Mm-hmm. I think the destruction is caused by Ego, and then when Skip sees it, he undoes it. Or the other read on because that it's is ruining his Skip vacation. thinks. Yeah, or the other take is Skip thinks, oh, I'd like to see the Fantastic Four in action, yeah, and that... then that, like, brings Ego there to cause the destruction. Okay, possibly. maybe maybe that's the case, because I kind of, at first I thought it was that he wanted to see the Fantastic Four in action, so, like, these catastrophes started happening so that they would have to react. Yeah. And that was what was going on, but yeah, okay. Yeah, so maybe that wasn't the most clear. Um, oh, hey. Want to the... hear something crazy? This is Skip Collins' only appearance <laughs> in Marvel <laughs> the... Comics. Like, that's what I'm talking about when I say a bottle episode. This guy with unlimited power, basically, who has somehow lived his life with, like, without any sort of anything happening. um, I I do love that. It shows up for one issue. He's just like, he's kind of got this underachiever personality and he's just like yeah yeah mostly just wants to get to work on time and like not be hassled too much about paperwork and like things just kind of work out for him and that means that he has like a very sedate middle class existence <laughs> like yeah that is the, the height yeah. of his ambition subconsciously which yeah i like to skip right um no it's good the, stuff. Uh, the elementals in 232 diablo like summons uh-huh. these four elementals i really like this because you know you've got one to match each of the fantastic four um and, oh, I just got this. Like, I guess maybe Spider-Man Far From Home, the four, the, like, the big elemental monsters there. Is that a wink to this? I mean, are they? that are seems they... like a stretch because I don't know why <laughs> you would wink to Diablo <laughs> creations. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, certainly using I mean, the I elements guess it's, is, it's kind of a basic yeah. connective tissue. Oh, no, because... Uh... Will the Spider-Man fight these people? Was Diablo one of Mysterio's, uh, you know, like, former aggrieved Stark employees? Yeah. And if so, can't, how do we keep him out of God, Diablo gets characterized so well here. <laughs> I love the touch here yeah. of, like, Diablo's out of jail. 
And he is not, like, holed up in some, like, big castle lair doing this. He's in some right. crappy little apartment where, like, he's in the middle of casting his spells and brewing his potions. And then his landlady knocks on the door and he has to go into a disguise. And she's just like, what's going on? It smells in here. And he he shuts the door yeah. and he's just like, oh, landlady, I'll, I'll deal with you yet. <laughs> like, I do love it anytime, like, yeah, Diablo or, like, the Mad Thinker. Or, you know, these, like, these... All kind of like very powerful. They've gone up against the Fantastic Four villains. Have to deal with like yeah, landlords yep. <laughs> and just like you know the work problems. That's always a nice little touch. Yeah. Um. So let's let's jump to the biggest issue sure. yep. here because it includes the best character. Um. That is Fantastic Four number two hundred and thirty six. Mm-hmm. This is again burn burn burn. Writer pencils. He's inking himself throughout this part of the run too, which is which is interesting. You know, this I actually is- think. I like his work better with Terry Austin inking him, um, which is what was happening on oh, Uncanny I, you X-Men know what? I think a lot towards the end. I think you're right. Like he he's not quite as uh, colorful, and I don't think he does as much like shading as Terry Austin did. Like his stuff. Oh, you know, I just... well, it's also just like it's a ton of work. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, just like mentally you try to put yourself in that position. Of, I like, just you basically you're redoing your own work. You know, yeah. A lot of times, or touching it up so much. Kind it's just, of a. You know, uh, a John Byrne omnibus kick on eBay. Someone was selling a bunch of... What does of, that mean? Uh, I just bought the the two omnibuses of all of his Fantastic Four work, his entire oh, okay. his entire Alpha Flight run, and his Avengers run. Like, all, <laughs> okay. all John Byrne. Dang, because, you, went, yeah. you went all in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does a lot of work, man. He did Wonder Woman. He did that, or, uh, Wonder Woman, Superman, She-Hulk. What else has he done? He's done so much You're stuff gonna... X-Men. I'm curious to hear what you think of his She-Hulk, because that's one that I think will almost certainly have to be added to the My Marvelous Year lists. And I remember really liking the tone of it, yeah. and I think it's kind of years ahead of its time um, in some of the fourth world, or fourth world, <laughs> classic comics joke, uh, fourth wall breaking stuff. Yeah, it does. yeah, yeah. Yeah, some of the stuff I've seen is like that. Um, okay, so this issue, another thing that he does is like, like we were talking with Frank Miller last time, he's confident that you can keep up, right? Like he does yes. this kind of thing where mm-hmm. he's pulling the rug out from under you, but he's not explaining it. There's no caption saying like, but what's this? This isn't the usual thing. Like he doesn't let you know that this is not normal, right? You just have to read and mm-hmm. figure it out for yourself. So we see that the Fantastic Four are like all individually living kind of the suburban existence, but they're not the Fantastic Four. Specifically when you get to Ben Grimm, and Ben Grimm is human version, Flesh Grimm, and mm-hmm. he's married to Alicia. You can see. Flesh Grimm. I like that. And, and, and by uh, like that, I mean that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so like it's this strange thing where none of them seem aware of the Fantastic Four anymore. They're all individually having these like dreams and nightmares of the origin of the Fantastic Four, which I like. So this is the yeah, this right. issue came out on the twentieth anniversary of the Fantastic Four, which also is the 20th anniversary mm-hmm. of just Marvel Comics, period. You know, like this, you know, iteration of superhero comics. Right. Um, so it is kind of a retelling of the origins through their dreams, which is nice. You get, like, kind of these flashbacks to the original, like, sequences. And uh, it turns out... Oh, the first big hint that, like, something's up is you see the Puppet Master and his weird big googly eyes, like, across the street. And you're like, okay, well, the Puppet But he's master, all friendly. All right. friendly with Alicia here. Right. His niece, right? Is that... Alicia is Philip Masters' niece. Yeah, that it's not his daughter. Right. I don't think she's his daughter. I think a niece. I don't like the idea of Philip Masters having relations with anyone. Okay. <laughs> I don't feel good about that. I mean, so I, let's say it's his niece. I like that idea. I'm way into that idea. Oh, uh, you're so into puppet play. That's one thing. <laughs> Listen, I know we don't want to get too personal, <laughs> but puppet play, baby. Let's start a channel on the Slack. Hashtag puppet play. All right. 
So, yeah, so Philip's around, he's, uh, but he's friendly. Stepdaughter. And, you know, the Fantastic Four are having these dreams of who they once were. Of course, naturally, it's Reed. Uh, excuse who, me, stepdaughter. Uh, Did you hear that? Stepdaughter. Which confirms a wife, which, you know, that confirms. Uh, that doesn't confirm <laughs> sharing a bed. Okay. Amer- you know, could just be a, a you live in platonic relationship. I'm going to live in paradise over here. Yeah, play with this... your puppets. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, go on. Sorry. So, Reed is the one who ultimately sort of figures out this yeah. is a ruse, and uh, and he convinces the rest of the team, and they then turn, particularly Ben, uh, on Philip Masters, realizing who he is, and say, you're the puppet master, how could you do this? And they're also, they kind of, I forget exactly how they know, but they're like, who are you working for? Well, but, no, um, they, they and, find out that because Doom literally just leans over the table. <laughs> so they're like, they're all... On I this. thought they were questioning him first and then giant Dr. Doom leans over, yeah. but that's better if, he, if he's just like... <laughs> he just appears somebody say Doom? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Dr. Yeah. Doom's we, giant and, uh, and they're trapped in Littleville. Super cool shot of like the town from above with all of them, this like real Jack Kirby machinery that he's drawing, which is this weird table uh, with all of them splayed out, like laying down with their heads in a circle around the um, the model of this town. I really like yeah. that. And then, you know, so... It definitely they, reminds me a lot, too, of when Mysterio made Spider-Man think he was tiny. Yes, yeah. And was tormenting him, which I, I'm going to guess was deep enough into Amazing that that was John Romita, um, but definitely had, had, you know, flashbacks to that. Yeah. And so... Um, Using using some kind of like particle accelerator at Reed's job, which Doctor Doom recreated <laughs> precisely, so it's like actual technology yeah. on the small scale. Because Reed says like Doom knew I'd recognize if it was a fake. Um, he uses this to like I can't remember they oh oh they escape the town and then they have to like trick Doom into coming and like basically stumbling over to the table and zapping it with his gloves mm-hmm. like doing this surge of electricity it's fun like it just leans into that stuff uh of being super tiny that's fun where like um you know like some of the best ant-man issues did where it just plays in that space of like he has to rewire a circuit board and like he talks about he's just like yeah i just need to move these cables i mean wires over because to him they're these enormous cables and uh yeah it just like it takes hours just to like you know solder together a circuit board that's uh just right in front of them this also continues the trend of Doctor Doom working with um, kind of lesser supervillains yeah. as his lackeys. Obviously, yeah. we saw it in Uncanny X Men, where arcade, he's kind of yeah. got Arcade, uh, Although, you know, taking like, on the X Men, and then here I don't know what using the did Puppet Master. That. It didn't seem like Arcade actually. Like, was it clear that Arcade built all those things? It's it's debatable how much he contributed. Uh, it aside just from like being he was there, there and wearing yeah. a bow tie and looking dapper. <laughs> oh my god, he yeah. looks like an idiot. Um, but the this issue ends on on a nice touch, which is inverting the Fantastic Four escape, but they they trick and trap Doom in Littleville now. And they, he is basically, by the end of this issue, he is still stuck, <laughs> tiny, yeah. and in Littleville, which is, which is being your... chased by an angry mob of tiny puppets. This is your specific comic <laughs> fetish, is Doom shrinking down into nothingness. It's it's great. It's yeah. a it's a throwback to Silver Age. He always shrinks into like weird, unpredictable scenarios. Yeah. Um, it's been a while since we've seen a comic end with "How will Doctor Doom get out of this one?" Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. Uh, but we're back. We're back to that great, great trope, and I love it. Yeah, I uh, I like Doctor Doom here. I guess D- despite what I said earlier, Doctor. How Doom dare you? Both of these. Swallow your words. You don't <laughs> well, get to say that. Both of these were pretty fun after your confession. Um, All right. So, Moving on to the next series here. Should we take a quick break and do uh, some sponsored ads? Yeah, sure. 
All right. My Marvelous Year is brought to you by My Marvelous Year, a podcast hosted by Dave Busing and Zach Dean. You can find more about how to support My Marvelous Year at patreon.com slash mymarvelousyear. All your support is greatly appreciated. And hey, if you don't want to donate or can't donate over on patreon.com for whatever reason, please consider rating and reviewing on iTunes. Now, back to our regularly scheduled My Marvelous Year. Oh, that was very succinct. Good job. Yeah, we got a new sponsor. It's kind of, you know, I, I feel like it's, um you know, the ads aren't, aren't too long they run pretty tight i really like the sound of the guy's voice like it just it's just nice to listen to you know very pleasant yeah like a lot of times you um, just want to so, skip right over the ads but this one i always listen to this one sometimes right sometimes when i'm listening to our apps i'll i'll fast forward to the ads and then fast forward around the rest of the conversation <laughs> yeah um they're that good so we are now reading some moon knight this is issues number nine and number 10. Now, this series obviously did not start at issue number nine. Why did I jump us ahead to issue nine and 10? I was asking. Uh, it's because we already read Moon Knight's debut thing in Werewolf by Night. And you know what? These issues have Bill's and Cabbage Heart. Yep. The whole run does yep. for a good long while. Um, but these issues have the most astonishing Bill's and Cabbage Heart. So I wanted to jump straight to the good stuff. We got Doug Munch writing Bill Sinkevich on pencils and inks. Bob Sharon coloring edited by Danny O'Neill and Moon Knight kind of follows a similar um, tack that we were talking about with Fantastic Four in the sense of like they're kind of just bouncing around different supernatural threats with more or less every issue. You know, there's a little bit of carryover here and there. Um, and obviously in this case, like they're calling back to the Midnight Man, which was an earlier issue. And they they kind of explain some of that um, with with exposition. Yeah. But like you can really pick up almost any of these issues and and read it on its own I for a good long while, I, which is I think nice. If you're familiar with the um, like the structure of the character, supporting cast, it's a little bit of a complicated. Yeah. It, it explains it well here, actually, because I read before I knew this was even on the list. I read Moon Knight one and two, I think, just out of curiosity, yeah. and like this is pretty good. This is surprisingly good. Like I thought, Moon Knight was one of these. Series it's a good run that didn't. Uh, really like take off to the 2000s and had this revival in the 2000s which he did he like vanished for mm-hmm. a decade and a half in the 90s more or less like didn't have his own series yeah but this is like this is a pretty fun run like i've read four of these now and each one has been pretty solid because he has a really interesting unique conceit which is that like he's kind of a batman figure which is not that interesting in and of itself but he also or a daredevil is... really anyone dressing up and fighting by night you know right yeah and you know so he's like mark specter who's this mercenary who we've already met and then he's got the you know alternate persona of moon knight but then he also has these two other personas one is this like billionaire and this other is this like working class cabbie yeah he's got stephen grant who yeah, is you know you know, like you were just saying the bruce wayne right he's got oodles and oodles of money and then you got jake glockley who is a cab driver yep <laughs> and it's definitely yeah, it's definitely a compelling hook just in terms of being so different than the secret identity trope well, we've seen now beaten into the ground. They're already, like, I was surprised that this came in this soon. I thought this was going to be a more modern edition. They're already talking about this thing where, like, he doesn't really know which one he is. Like, he's confused. Yeah, and right. he's, like, the lines are pretty blurry between these people. Like, he doesn't view himself as, like, I'm Mark Spector. And I just dress up as Moon Knight and Stephen Grant and whatever. Like, he kind of thinks he is these different people. And they, I mean, they talk about him being schizophrenic, which is, that is mm-hmm. not what schizophrenia is. So it's kind of, you know, bad representation of that. Um, but um, that idea of this being like some kind of deeper thing ingrained in him where he really does feel like he has different people at different times uh, is pretty interesting. And, and it deals with that identity thing here because like, he also thinks that, so what happened in the first issue is that he died out in these like 
Egyptian desert, I think. And yeah, he's a, he's a mercenary. He dies yeah. out on a mission. Yeah, gone because wrong, he, he's working with whatever. this mercenary company led by a guy named Bushmaster, and he gets killed. He's after... got a tattoo of a skull on his face. Yeah, he's pretty creepy looking. I like his design. Um, I mean, one of the mm-hmm. best things about Moon Knight is also his design. Like that costume is so cool. Like it just works right away. Um, but he you dies. Know, I, he is... I don't want to dive into it too much, but like, I guess it could be a poll question. Are there any costumes that just like you look at and you're just like, damn, that's cool. More than Moon Knights. Mm, mm. Yeah. We should I just have every time I, I think it's the all white design. I, yeah. I guess I'm a sucker for an all white, you know? Um, but even when he come, becomes Mr. Knight super later in Marvel continuity, it's just like, damn. It's yeah. a cool design. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just look awesome. Well, and that, that like anyway, hood and the cowl are pretty cool too. Um, yeah, so he dies and he is resurrected in this temple under the statue of this like Egyptian god. And he is convinced that like he was resurrected by this god and he has these like powers as Moon Knight because of it. But Which I is also... Konchu or, or I'm not, Nonchu? I'm not sure. How would you say that? I don't know. It can't know. be Konchu. It's definitely Gotta be a better way to say that. It's K-H-O-N-S-U, right? I do not know. Konchu. Okay. Um, but I also like that all of that is called into question like there's people around him he has this little cast like he's got a butler and a girlfriend and uh this other friend i don't know who's around and like most of them don't really believe you're talking about frenchy yes frenchy yes 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 he's his sidekick you'll never guess what nationality he is (laughs) um yeah i I just think like there's an interesting ambiguity to this that we're not seeing in a lot of other stuff uh and then plus like the actual threats he's dealing with are okay bushmaster is a pretty creepy villain I mean, he's not that, like, he doesn't have that much going on, but he's just a big, creepy, snake-faced guy. Yeah. Yeah. Did I say that Bushmaster? Is his deal. No, yeah, I mean, I think... Bushmaster. You said it's, Bushmaster. Uh, that's right. I feel like I've been saying Bushmaster this whole time. What's his What's his name? Oh, Bushman. Bushman. There is a difference here. Bushman. Bushmaster yeah, is yeah. villain we are going to yeah, see in the pages see later, of yeah. Power Man and Iron Fist. You're right. I didn't catch that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so these are really good. Uh, the thing that really catches me is just the creative team, like, working together here. Um they're just so good <laughs> telling these stories. Like there's a poetry to Munch's writing that is really impressive. And then Sienkiewicz, you know, so if you're familiar with his work in any way, there's a lot of like w- a lot more experimental stuff that he's going to be doing. Yeah. Uh, Sienkiewicz is, is most well known for some increasingly abstract art yeah, that he will, that we'll see it. in the pages of new mutants and you see it beginning here. I don't, uh, but I don't it's not really, it's not over the top. I mean, like, it's great. Well, you got like, I... to stop reading with your eyes closed. <laughs> you have been <laughs> you have been doing that thing where you just kind of feel yeah, the pages. Yeah, it's just all black. Um, it's not going to have the yeah. same effect. Yeah. Uh, no, I like, I like Bilson. I like the art here quite a bit. I think it's, like, it's very mm-hmm. creative. And it, there's a lot of, like, there's that one panel where uh, Midnight Man, I think, is shooting at him. He's in the center panel. It's where he's nine. running up the stairs. It's, oh, it's so cool. It, it's like your traditional so three by cool. three, nine panel page. And Moon Knight is circling around him one panel at a time. Like all the yeah. way around, uh, and yeah. you just see him firing, uh, you know, like in all directions. It's very cool. Yeah, that's an all-time fave. But it, like, there's some inventiveness like... with layout and panels, Sin- but it's not. It's not like New Mutants is going to be right. I mean, Sinkevitz, you know, at some point is just going to like take his paintbrush and literally just like splash paint on the page and just be like, yeah, yeah that's yeah. there now. Just to, that's a representative of uh, how she's feeling. <laughs> Yeah, we're not there yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we I are not. Th- that's there not a yet. criticism of this. This is good, and he probably wouldn't have gotten that through here. Um, well, maybe, maybe with Moon Knight. Moon Knight's a small enough property, but um, yeah. Well, and I think that's you know we kind of talked last episode about the idea that like you can take more chances on these smaller, sort of more under the radar things. Yeah, at and least at this Moon Knight, point, yeah. I think, is is benefiting. 
from yes. that at this point. Yeah, you know, sure. it's just it is definitely a little strange. Um, like you said, just the entire like multiple personality thing that that Mark Spector has or that Moon Knight has going on, it just raises a lot of questions about like what is his mental state of being? Who is he really? I I don't know if I mentioned already, but his girlfriend here, uh, Marlene, she calls him Stephen all the time. Right. Yeah. So like, like she's in a relationship with Stephen Grant. Um, but she knows all, it's not like the Moon Knight part is a secret, you know, like she knows all about it, but she's like, oh, she's those are just in, those other things that right, he does she, when he's not her, being himself. Stephen is self. the man and all the rest is of the, the guy, disguises yeah. he puts on, right? That's like, yeah, that's, and then like to Frenchie, it's very different, right? Like Frenchie knows Mark Spector. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, oh, I just wanted to it's mention this. I forgot about this. 236, Fantastic Four 236, something we should bring up. Um, it had a little backup story. That it was like, you know, in celebration of 20 years, here's a little story by Stanley and Jack Kirby uh, that absolutely stinks. <laughs> it, was, it was garbage. Yeah. Um, also, Jack Kirby didn't have anything to do with this. I literally just listened to this part of Marvel Comics, The Untold Story. Jack Kirby didn't yeah. want anything to do with this. And they put his name yeah. on it and he was not involved. And you can see it. Like, the artwork is bad here. It looks like somebody who is trying to draw that it. That sucks. It's like, it looks like Jack Kirby art, but it's not. Um, it's like, like an imitator. Yeah. It looks like someone took his, that's uh, so shady. Yeah. Yeah. There's even like, you can see on the, the front page has like all these different characters from fantastic four history in the upper right hand corner is Stanley. And there's a little empty space next to him because they were going to put Jack Kirby. And then Jack Kirby was like, no, thanks. I don't want to be involved because he was in the middle of like, yeah, absolute battle with Marvel over, uh, these properties at this time. And so like, yuck. And then they yeah. just threw him in there and pretended he was, you know, he was involved. So, yeah. yeah stinky. Yeah. Never let it be said that uh, Jack Kirby was treated great by Marvel. No, he was not. No, he's he's, he's getting not like, case. throughout the 80s, It's. I mean, I, I appreciate he's getting increasingly hostile and noisy about how bad he got uh, He got treated at Marvel and like... How much yeah, he definitely gets more vocal. He's He steps away from doing like ongoings. More well, I mean, because he did I think those, he's working he, mostly on like animated stuff to get paid by DC. Yeah. It was kind of the so that was like the workaround. I think it was Paul Levitz, maybe he's the editor in chief at that point at DC Comics. But basically, he was like to get you like paid appropriately for all your fourth world creations and you know Dark Side and <laughs> this villain you created. Um, he had to like I think do the animation work for them on Super Friends. I want to say mm, interesting. Uh, and then uh, you know I think like one of the last published things he does like in superhero comics is he does do a New Gods graphic novel. Um, maybe it's around between 83, 85 or something like that. That's uh, Hunger Dogs, but definitely no more Marvel work. Yeah. Uh, yeah to yeah. my knowledge. Uh, yeah, I just want to... But anyway, Moon Knight, pretty good. Yeah. Bill Sienkiewicz, up and on the rise. Uh, and uh, I definitely do recommend, if you enjoy these, like, yeah, read more of this like run because it's going to be real good like through... That. Issues long. So What's like, that? It's, I think it's 35 issues long. It's definitely like... Yeah, yeah, it's not too much. Run. Yeah. And yeah. it's Doug Bench okay. the whole time, yeah. So next up on our list is unfortunately Avengers 212 to 213. This is the big trial of Yellow Jacket storyline. And boy, oh boy, 213, I will say, is probably the worst comic we've read. I just think it is like an absolute train wreck on almost every level. I think so. This this is the storyline where Hank hits Janet. Yep. I think is really just <laughs> let's sum it up and call it what it is. Um, domestic abuse is is nothing to be joked about and nothing to be played with lightly. And this story kind of just tosses it in there actually twice. I had forgotten that in Avengers 212, there's this uh, mystical kind of Conan ripoff who uh, he hits his sorceress 
wife or, or love interest yeah. uh, prior to Hank doing basically the exact same thing towards Janet. So these are written by Jim Shooter. We got art by Alan Kupperberg, uh, at least on 212. I think 213 is a different artist. Uh, let's see. It's Bob Hall. And we got inks by Dan Green. And uh, people talk now a lot about character assassination mm-hmm. as a term. It's definitely a, a you know modern lexicon, just this idea of a story so bad or so damaging for a character who has a legacy and, and a history throughout you know superhero comics that you might have already liked a lot. Um, and a character assassination story is when you do so much damage through a story that like there's no saving them, that this becomes the thing that they are or the thing that they're known for. These issues are that thing for Hank Pym. I think this is the first example of a genuine character assassination in the sense that anything... Any story with Hank Pym from here on out, it has the asterisk. It has the caveat Mm -hmm. that no matter how much he may be turning a leaf, no matter how much he may be whatever moving on uh, for himself or trying to recover, he's uh, he's a guy who hit his wife in the face. And and not only that, but like he's verbally abusive throughout these two issues. Um, He's also just like a maniac. Like, he's literally turning supervillain here and concocting a robot that only he can defeat, but will defeat the Avengers in order to impress them. Uh, This is about as bad a look as Hank Pym uh, could possibly have. And I don't want to do the—I don't want to compare, like, the weight of the subjects that are broached compared to Avengers number 200, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. Um, I don't want to compare, like, which one is worse in that regard. I'm talking structurally, as a story, and as a legacy— Avengers 212 to 213 are awful. They are absolutely horrible. And, like, take all the issues out of it or whatever, if you can. The stories, the villains, and every like everything about it is just uninteresting. It just sucks. What did you think? Uh, I don't have that opinion at all. <laughs> That's very... So I'm okay. like, I didn't, I didn't really expect that. Um, I am kind of fine with Hank Pym becoming, like, hitting rock bottom and becoming, like, canonically a loser here. Like it doesn't it doesn't bother I should I do want to clarify it does not bother me that Hank would trend even more towards like villainy or being fallen out of the Avengers. That makes actually a lot of sense. He's been trending that way for a long time now, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um and he created Ultron, which is dealt with here. Right. Like it makes sense that he'd be the the failed Avenger. Right. You know? Yeah. That piece of it, it's not like there's not a logic to that. So I, I'm not up in arms about, like, the character assassinated Hank. Like, that doesn't... I'm not that attached. We've joked a lot about him being one of our least favorite characters right, yeah. throughout my Marvelous year. Um, it's more just, like, the way it's done and 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 just everything around it is so bad. And just, it's like, everything about this comic just makes me cringe. It's brutal. Huh. See, it, I, You I, know what, actually, <laughs> even more than anything, is, like, Janet's dialogue throughout yes, this that is... is Effing unreadable. So the one, the one thing that I think so is bad. like pretty bad about this is the way that Janet is portrayed in this relationship, which is she's just like he's just lashing out and being nasty, and she's just like, please, no, th- don't say that. Just hug me, cuddle me, let's just kiss. Um, pl-. and it she comes across as this kind of like muling, pathetic, you know, punching bag, and that kind of sucks. She just loves him, and she just wants to love him no matter what he does, and and this, it's just like it's the most one note, cliched awful representation of a character who has her own personality and she being does. already it feels, established. It feels a little out of character. I will say I read the next one and it like redeems this a little bit for her in that like she immediately just takes a hard line stance from here of just like, 
no, we're done. Yeah. Like, I'm getting a divorce. Get your things. Get out. Like, you can't treat me like this. And she, like, becomes her own person and, like, just completely separates and stands up for herself. So there is that little bit of catharsis yeah. there. Um, I don't know. Like, there, there are little aspects of this that I think that the comic, like, kind of on a, like, commentary side doesn't handle well like i said that jane janet barely has kind of like her own personhood here right like she comes across as the most like and you know like you could talk about like people in abusive relationships we get really codependent with their abuser stuff like that but that like is not how it comes across here it feels very like i don't know they want to make hank seem bad so the best way to do that is to make janet seem as pathetic as possible and it feels like mm-hmm. a, a bad instinct um you know, just I feel like this assassinates her character more than it does his in the the like you know yeah, just just yeah, the framing of these tech. two issues because late later on, like I said, I think two fourteen, which we didn't read. I almost wish we. I think you should if you're curious about this, go read at least the next issue because uh, it like deals with some of the fallout of this. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, I, and what's I, wild too is like so Jim Shooter's gonna continue writing Avengers and yeah. continue writing Jan as a character, and she's gonna have really good moments. Yeah. So it's not like he's yeah, this is the beginning without understanding Janet of how becoming, to improve her. This is this is the beginning of Janet becoming an interesting Avenger for the first time. Because like Well, and Janet's I guess my issue with that is like 80s. it didn't have to take this. No, it didn't it didn't, it didn't have, have to. to take this. I I don't know. Like I honestly think that is a pretty interesting tack to take of like yeah, I mean, it's almost this meta thing of, like, it's an Avenger that no one particularly cares about in-universe and out of, and that builds on his shoulders, and he just knows that. Like, he kind of knows he's a loser, and instead of just dealing with, like, okay, well, like, I'm not Captain America, and I can just do that. Like, I have a wife who loves me, you know, like, I'm financially supported, I have my place in the world. He just, like, always wants more, and it's never enough, and he always needs to prove something to somebody, and he's just angry at everyone but himself. He's lashing out. Yeah. I don't know. That's pretty interesting to me. Like, that that all worked for me and, like, rang fairly true of just somebody spiraling. Um, because mm-hmm. all this hinges on... It doesn't hinge on him hitting Janet. That, like, comes out later. It's There's this story that, that I don't know, doesn't really matter of some, like, sorceress woman and her husband or whatever that come out into the world and they're fighting, whatever. They're fighting the sorceress woman. It doesn't matter woman. at all. That doesn't. I, I don't think that's very interesting at all um but they're fighting them and captain america kind of talks down this woman and kind of gets her to calm down as she's rampaging and then hank just shoots her in the back <laughs> unprovoked uh yeah and like makes an, a major error i also and then they've calm her down and she leaves and then captain america and them basically put him on court-martial for like provoking somebody and maybe putting everybody in danger for no reason. I think that's a really fun... I, I like this aspect of the Avengers. Like, it makes them seem like a real, like, super... Like, there's consequences to your action. It's not just, like, punching mm-hmm. and buildings fall over and it doesn't really matter, right? Like, hey, you screwed up and you need to deal with that. And, like, we're all going to deal with that institutionally. Like, you need to be held mm-hmm. accountable. I like that aspect of the Avengers a lot. Like, I like that, how it played out here. There's the scene where, like, Hank is talking in his defense... And he kind of goes on this, like, unhinged rant about how the only reason Captain America is upset is because he had, he was flirting with this woman and, you know, he wants all the glory for himself. And it's just this kind of rambling rant and it's zooming in on Hank's face and then it cuts Mm -hmm. away and all the Avengers are just looking away embarrassed. Like, they don't even, they can't even look at him anymore because he's just so, like... And I, dis- think, I think Tony's even quietly, like, like please. Hank, Hank, stop. Just please, stop. Right. Like, that moment worked for me. Like, I... Yeah. cringed too like yeah that so i think that's uh, part of this too is i'm reading this again yeah you know so it's i've already i, I mean already i, I, know the I beats, read this but before. it's like getting there is coming. so painful i, mean, I, um, I had in my I, I think the fall of hank pym yeah. is a 
fine and interesting story to tell. I do think that is, like, again, a big picture. I see what the plan is, and I see this idea of just continuing the trend of Hank Pym being the failed Avenger. And I don't mind any of that. I, I think that's all actually, like, makes things more interesting, you know, to have a character who just couldn't do it anymore, but so desperately wanted to be uh, a genius and, and held up high as a founding Avenger, you know, like that status means a lot to Hank. Yeah. He needs it more than anyone else. Right. Yes. Um, yes. So to have it taken away is even is even worse for him. I just think then when you wrap it in, first off, boring stories and bad villains, uh, but also an abusive relationship and just Jan being so like just like deconstructed into the most feeble weak-willed elements yeah. of, of I mean, that, an that unrecognizable that person. Me. Yeah. It's just I can't even I can't even read those sections anymore without just being like what are they doing? Yeah. Like what, yeah, the way that this Janet is, so is written here is definitely the worst. And uh the, the other aspect of this that I think so later on like just dealing with some of the fallout of this. They definitely do like Janet sticks up for herself. She immediately leaves him. Like next next issue, she's divorcing him and leaving and like talking about this. Um, you know, mm-hmm. she how she feels about this. And all the Avengers are rightly like pissed at him for this. Yeah. There is also a little bit of tone of like, don't, you know, Hank Pym, he was like once a hero, you know, we're all just rooting for him to get back on his feet. Like, there's a there's a slightly yeah, where it right. turns into like, oh man, I can't believe our good buddy hank has fallen this far like we're you know frustrated with him because we know he can do so much better and like and tigra tigra well we're gonna get to don't don't get me wrong <laughs> we're get to tigra. And i think I in the next issue she's talking to tigra. jarvis about this you know but like oh what a creep and he's just like you know don't judge a man you know just a, based on his worst day something like that and it's like uh, all right well I mean, he, off, Jarvis. he just hit Janet. Like, let's please. Yeah. <laughs> like, we. It, it is okay to be mad at him right now. Okay. Like, <laughs> it is fine just to unequivocally like damn Feel him free. in the moment. Like, yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I think we we both set our pace. Let's move on to the important aspect of this, which is Tiger and Jarvis, aka Marvel. Yeah, Tiger's an Avenger now. <laughs> I and, uh, I genuinely Tiger is, Tiger is another reason I hate these issues. I but love go ahead, I'll let you start. <laughs> I really love yeah, her here. I, she's so she's got fun. an energy and a charm. Yeah, I'll give you that. She's very charming. And I think it is genius to pair her with Jarvis. Like the comedic banter between the two of them really works for me. Mm-hmm. I think it's very mm-hmm. funny. Like this stuffy old man and this like weird uh, sex cat like in a bikini running around. Like, yeah. And just playing off of him, like flirting with him is really funny to me. That I, I think that's such a really a good dynamic like i we barely see her interact with other people but she gets several scenes with jarvis which i like yeah so her entire her entire character here is like a literal sex kitten she is constantly wanting it she is teasing playfully with jarvis um you know trying to get him going trying to get things riled up jarvis is like i'm, I'm allergic to cats ma'am oh yeah that's this, another this never work, that's another which is a pretty good gag actually sneezing, yeah <laughs> yeah um she is just over the top to, well, I, <laughs> to the point of of just being like you know what her it, there's two ways to go about it you can be like this is awful or you can be like this energy is actually kind of infectious I, the other thing i really um, like about i don't blame her either way she's um I mean, she's like a pretty new superhero. She's not, you know, like Thor, Captain America. She's pretty kind of a lightweight. Mm-hmm. So, but she's also brand new to the Avengers. So she's just like so excited to be there. Like she gets a thousand dollar check for her like living expenses. And she's yeah. just like, 
a thousand dollars are you kidding me like she doesn't yeah. know what to do with a thousand dollars it's just like yeah all that stuff's really fun to me i like tigra mm-hmm. um yeah uh so yeah some some of the better comics we've ever read i'd say <laughs> <laughs> gosh you're dropping haymakers yeah. no i i mean uh. i don't i don't like i wouldn't say these are some of the better we've read but like i I thought this was interesting enough. Like this is pretty. It, I think two thirteen is actively the worst comic we've read. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I I think Avengers two hundred is like miles worth. Miles. I think two hundred for me again. I really hesitate to compare them in any capacity. It's so confusing that that almost helps it. It is <laughs> I know so what, muddled I know what you mean, like, in time they, travel. They clearly weirdness. did not understand what they were actually doing. Like it just feels like this kind of like. I, I bet when letters started to pour in about 200, they were like, wait, what? what did yeah, we, what did right. We write? <laughs> you can do, it doesn't excuse it, but you can do that story and not realize what you're doing. Yeah, that there's, is believable. there's a chance that, that that is how that played out. Yeah. 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 Okay, let's move um, on to. Yeah, not a great look for, uh, for recent Avengers stories. I'd say the main event of this batch of comics. The main event. Power Man and Iron Fist. Uh, what do you think of these? Because these are new additions. These to were the my list. favorite that we read out of this batch. I like ah, these. Yeah, yeah. I was pretty taken by even these. Even more than Fantastic Four. Like, and I like Fantastic Four a lot, but this was the one where I was like, oh man, am I going to have to like go back and read this series? Like, yeah. this is pretty yeah. good. <laughs> this is good stuff. Uh, I definitely don't think they're better in Fantastic Four, but I enjoyed them as well. Yeah. That is why I included them. We got 67 and 68 are written by Mary Jo Duffy with pencils by Carrie Gamble. And then by the time we hit 75, which is a big anniversary issue, we are on to a new creative team. But Mary Jo Duffy's been writing this run for a good long while here. Our first female writer? I mean, Uh, we had had like Marie Severin drawing some Doctor Strange back then. I've read some stuff by some females like, uh, oh no, wait, was Shauna the She-Devil written by a woman? Because like the original Night Nurse was written by a woman and whatever Thunder, or uh, whatever Tigress brought spun out of was written by a woman they had like a few tiny little mini series that they brought women in you know and it was just like yeah roy Roy thomas has a cousin who will write this i guess because we need a woman Mm -hmm. and that kind of like crappy you know just like checking the box instead of trying to actively find women who want to write comics I mean certainly it's a rarity in in marvel's lineup uh, now and and for you know a good long while so like credit where it's due here yep. for her being one of the the pioneers. Absolutely. Yeah, because this is this is awesome. Um, yeah, these issues are really fun. Uh, Sixty seven uh, kind of all builds to Luke Cage losing his powers, um, and sixty eight is kind of following up on that, which is a um, you know it's an issue where like Luke has to get protected by Iron Fist, and you know we got a uh, Misty Knight and and Colleen Wing as regular players in these events i'm trying to think of the de- oh so it's bushmaster returns not bushman let's be very yep, clear yep, yep. it is bushmaster who he is trying to basically he's trying to recreate luke cage's origins yeah in order to um save his life more or less yeah because he and he had, uh, like the same procedure done to him but it is hardening his bones <laughs> or hardening his body like all of his cells are like calcifying yeah uh and so he gets the doctor who performed the, the operation initially. Yep. He, he captures Luke and he has this doctor. Basically, he's experimenting on Luke again to be like, test this out on Luke. Let's see if it works. And if it does, then I'll use it on myself. Yep. Um, so that is happening. And all that results in 
the death of Bushmaster. He has a pretty uh, uh a pretty remarkable scene where he yeah. just like crumbles into dust. Yeah, they basically. like show his face and his face just starts like crumbling away and you just see like just the skull underneath till he's just a skeleton sitting in a big throne. It's pretty yeah. pretty creepy, pretty cool. Yeah, and then so Luke loses his powers as a result of the surgery. What's actually kind of fascinating is then 68, it follows up on 67, but like it's a new story. So they're like, well, Bushmaster's henchmen, you know, they kidnapped uh, the doctor's wife. So she's still kidnapped. Yep. Like that, that didn't end just because Bushmaster died. Yep. Uh, we got to go save her. So that is what they and go to do. And boy, oh boy, do we get a good villain introduction. Just in this out one. of nowhere, like <laughs> literally out of nowhere, we're in the middle of some other side plot and then yeah. just like i mean especially for me who's never i don't know who this guy is a gorilla with a man's head the most silly looking villain uh arthur nagin gorilla man <laughs> a member of the headmen who were introduced during you'll never guess steve gerber's defenders <laughs> okay yeah that makes, <laughs> that you can makes see sense. it you can see it right yep uh, yeah, yeah, so uh, so Luke's like, fighting this headman, I mean, and he is clearly outmatched because he does not have his powers, but right, he keeps yeah. on a fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So like the this guy, this gorilla is just attacking him, kind of like randomly. Like he uh, he's trying to do this one thing, which is rescue um, this doctor's wife, and mm-hmm. meanwhile a gorilla is attacking him. It's just kind of this like little side thing. I genuinely don't even remember why he's there, but I was delighted when he showed up. I think up, he just uh, the gorilla it, it's man. Just kind of a you know like you're my enemy. I'm attacking you. That kind of thing. Um, I do I like really, that idea of just like, <laughs> you know, like relics of Marvel Comics past, like the headman, just kind of bouncing around New well, York City. That feels like a very Spider-Man then, thing, right? Like Spider-Man yeah. in this issue needs to, you know, there's like this drama about he needs to get to the other side of town because Mary Jane's play is on or whatever. Uh-huh. But, you know, the vulture just won't get out of his way. Like he just needs to and get... And then, right. He's just light, and uh, but he has to deal with the vulture in the meantime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, totally. I really, um, so, th- so Luke does get his powers back via electric shock. Yeah, of course. I believe, yeah. and then uh, and then he whoops on Gorilla Man's butt, as th- you'd expect. I, so, what I think works about this, like both Iron Fist and Power Man, are interesting characters in their own rights. They both have their own little like aesthetic, and they have their own little world of characters, and they're kind of like Power Man, like we've said, Luke Cage has this very like street level thing going on. He's this kind of yeah. rough and tumble guy um and then iron fist has this whole strange mythology having to do with his martial arts and he's got this like chi power like they both have their own separate things going on and then you just smush them together and it just makes a tasty brew like it is it reminds me of um that shang chi comic where it's just like you get all this weird interesting spycraft stuff mixed Mm -hmm. with this martial arts i mean it's literally the same the martial arts but shang chi kind of feels different um this like martial arts mysticism and Fu Manchu and stuff. And it's like, either of these are kind of interesting, but like when you find this weird middle ground where they can both live in, it just kind of gives this strange and unique synergy that makes the whole thing that much more interesting. Yeah. And I like the supporting cast throughout too. Right. You know, I like mean, Colleen Knight and Colleen Wing Misty, are awesome. Misty Knight's got a, a cool bionic hand. Colleen Wing is a samurai. <laughs> like, yeah. That, that's all fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. So speaking of fun, Power Man and Iron Fist number 75 is a big double size spectacular. Uh, this one actually, uh, I take it back, appears to also have been written by Joe Duffy and Carrie Gamble. I thought I thought there was a change, but that's what I'm seeing on the credits here. And uh, this is a return to Kun Loon, the mystical city where Danny Rand is was educated in the ways of the fist and reached into the heart of Shaolin and gained his Iron Fist. And... Uh, Danny and Luke wind up there 
via means, which will be explained somewhere. I don't know. It happened in the last issue, right? There's some, oh, yeah, <laughs> there's no, some uh, mystical they were, portal, they fight, and it kind of some randomly guy who had like a green portal tiger or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Ma- Master Gosh, Khan, green portal we'll tiger. Later. What a great yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think. What did you think of this one? The details. Uh, this was fun again. This was fun. This would not be nearly as fun if Luke Cage wasn't there, right? Like it is that fun. Right. Oh, totally. You get that mix of like, oh, okay, you get the the fish out of water because Luke Cage mm-hmm. reacting to this like strange mystical city, you know, that only appears on Earth every ten years, and it's got all these strange rules to it. And uh, Danny Rand fits right in. He knows how it works. But to Iron to Iron Man to Iron Fist to Luke Cage. It's all like this mystery, right? Yeah. So like it's all like you know, put Steve Rogers in Asgard or something, you know, right? It's just exactly. Like, it's just this yeah. weird space, and you know, totally new. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And like that, the whole cosmology of Kun Loon is pretty interesting, right? They have their own little yeah. weird world with their uh, like strange. Uh, I don't know. Like they worship these men as gods, and like Danny Rand's. We get his history. We get kind of Danny Rand's whole history of like. His father came here and was raised here and then left, had a child. But like Danny Rand also had, he had a kid here. He's got like a half sister here who was killed by these plant people in a pretty like nasty scene where they show up in a plant city and like their bodies have been eaten as fertilizer. Yeah. That stuff is like pretty. It gets pretty wild. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But you know what? Like it, it is, it's kind of crazy and seems convoluted, but it flows well in the moment. Like you follow it. It is one of those comics where you're just like, yeah, everything makes sense. Like play. it's less confusing than the Kotati and uh, the Celestial Madonna saga. Exactly. Yeah. That. yeah. 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 I mean, I, I couldn't tell you everything that happened, but when I read it, I knew what was going on. You know. <laughs> That's yeah. Kind of well, and I think like, like if matters. you're so there's the the reveal here. There's a couple, I guess. One, it's that Danny has like a half sister or a sister. Yep. In Kunlun, or who was born in Kunlun. Um, to my knowledge. That kind of fades away, I think. So, like, I don't, I don't know that that really becomes a big piece. I'm looking online of, and I'm seeing um, that she does come back to life under the name uh, Death Sting. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I should have known. Um, yeah. So, and then the other reveal is that um, Ut, the master of of Kunlun, mm-hmm. more or less, uh, he's not quite who he says he is and he always resented danny's dad and now harbors resentment towards danny yeah yeah this is, it's, it, it feels like a big issue if you like if you've been reading iron fist this whole time because it uh mm-hmm. it seems like the really into mythos kun like, loon was this you know like it's this big deal for danny right it's where he got his powers it's where he was raised it's where he like feels at home you know he goes back here and now it yeah. feels like an enemy Right, like it, he leaves this place having smashed their crystal that lets them like return to Earth, and uh, yeah, 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 all pretty cool. Like, Severs the connection oh, to Kun Loon. It's good stuff. The, the the inking here by Ricardo Villamonte is so hmm. good. The, like the shading yeah, and the color work here are incredible. Like some of the coolest inking we've seen. Oh well, that's yeah. that's the inking. Uh, the coloring is um, Christy Shiel. So, but both okay, both definitely. aspects work really well. Cool. Oh wait. Oh and, all right. Wait. No, I just realized I wanted to talk about the penciling too. Really good penciling <laughs> on, um, uh, just make sure it's the same person. Yeah. Carrie Gamil, which, uh, is that, a, okay. No, I was going to say, is that another woman? That'd be kind of crazy to have three women re- working on this. Um, it'd certainly be unusual for, for Marvel no, in, this not, era, Car- or Carrie, in this time period. It's a man, Carrie. Um, 
is doing really cool work, especially in 67 and 68 with panel layouts, where he's kind of just not doing panels a lot of the time. He does tons with mm. white space. And I think it like is in real conjunction with, oh, uh, I guess 67, 68 are colored by someone named Ben Sean. I don't know. Um, because like the colors are so bright and so vivid here that he uses a lot of white space in the background without panels. So you just mm-hmm. you literally will have a page with no panels, but you'll have like three or four scenes just spread out and a lot of white space between them while like Yeah. Power Man and Iron Fist go and interrogate people around the city, whatever. It's a uh, yeah. It's just it's a it's a good comic to look at. Like it's very pleasing to the eye. Very pleasing to the eye. <laughs> <laughs> Transformers, pleasing to the eye. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to My Marvelous Year 1981 Part 2. We have a huge Uh, announcement for 1982. A huge announcement? Dave, tell him. I don't know if I'm ready for for another big announcement. Tell him the announcement for 1982, Dave. Lay it on him. That's right. I guess we'll drop this here at the end, and then uh, we'll talk about it maybe on the variant. But 1982 will be split into three parts. That's That's right. right. A three-part year. That is the trend we're going to be moving in to allow ourselves and uh, everyone in the reading club more time to keep up with all of the comics we're reading. Because guess what? As the comics get better and as they uh, keep uh, expanding the line, there's just going to be a lot to get through. And we're going to do it here with you. We're excited about it. Um, If you want to find more about the show, you can always find the reading list coming up here in the show notes for the episode. You can find them over on patreon.com slash year if you're a supporter. And uh, you can also find them in the Comic Book Herald email newsletter. I'm Dave. I write over at comicbookherald.com. You can find my stuff there. You can find music for the show at Disasterpiece. And we will be back uh, with a variant cover next week. Is that how this works? Yeah, variant cover next week. And then uh, then we'll be on to 1982. Let me uh, let me read the poll for 1981. Okay. This will be the first time you're hearing it because I just put it up on my own. Oh. If a character could have an out could have had an outstanding creative run in the 80s, such as Claremont on, on X Men or Miller on Daredevil, who mm. should it have been? Ant Man and the Wasp. Okay. Ghost Rider. <laughs> that, that they're out. <laughs> <laughs> Ghost Rider. Captain Marvel. Ghost Rider. Uh, Karen Carol Danvers. Captain Marvel. Doctor Strange. Hercules. Black Widow. Or Rick Jones. Now. I guess Black Widow doesn't get a run. She gets a good story. Yeah, um, yeah. Doctor Strange is probably the most debatable inclusion there because you got Roger Stern writing him for a decent chunk, and then on to Peter. But I mean, Gillis, is that like which is pretty good? I would take Doctor Strange out of that personally. Is that like personally. an all-time good, great run, like Claremont on X Men or Miller on Daredevil? Like, well, no, but that's what it, that's the question. Few things are. That's why they're all-time greats. Yeah, I mean, but like '80s is full of that stuff, like Simonson on Thor, Byrne on Fantastic Four. You know, like Michelini mm-hmm. on Iron Man. I'm saying stuff like that. Like Yeah, but there's not a lesser known I mean Moon Knight, for example. Like like kind of that B C wow. tier level of hero. Yeah, I hadn't read Moon Knight uh when I guess Daredevil was that, actually. Yeah. I guess actually this is the point where Daredevil stops being that. Yep. So that's that's probably our answer there. Um okay. All right. Yep. So vote on over on the poll, patreon.com slash my this year. Otherwise, thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next year. See you next year.